Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. So I have been looking forward to this Easter for three years now. And that's just because, you know, we've had this thing called the pandemic that we've been dealing with. And I remember uh, when, when it first hit, you know, we were told, you know, what that two weeks to flatten the curve and everything. Well, that that went a whole lot longer than that. And uh, we were sitting in staff meeting at uh, before that, even whenever this was starting, uh, okay, you know, we may not be able to be in the sanctuary, but Easter, we will, we will worship on Easter. And then Easter came, and, and it didn't happen. And we had a great online experience, and I remember some of the memories of that were memories that I, I will cherish for the rest of my life. But then it was, okay, we weren't able to do Easter, so we're going to do Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday will be the Sunday that we'll be back in the sanctuary. And we're going to sing Christ the Lord is risen today because we are back from the dead, baby. And then Pentecost came and, and nothing. And then the whole year passed by and we started to worship back in the sanctuary again. But we, you know, we didn't want to get you know, everybody crammed in the sanctuary last year for Easter. So we did one big service outside. And if you were here for that, that was a great service. I loved being outside. Rachel sang a, a special song at the very beginning of the service, and it just keyed everything off, and, and it was a great time of, of celebration together last Easter. But this year, we are back, and, and, and I love it. I, I loved having the 830 service. I love having this 945 service. I love having the 11 o'clock service. Even afterwards, I'm like, wow, but, it, you know, but it's great. Because we celebrate what Christ is doing in our midst. We, we celebrate what, what Christ is doing in and around all of our lives. We celebrate being able to be back and, and just, just knowing that, that God is, is doing a tremendous work in all of our lives. So as we prepare to hear God's word, I invite you to go to God in prayer with me. Let us pray. Oh God, you are my rock and my redeemer. We come to you this Easter morning. We come to celebrate that the tomb is no longer empty. That, that, that death does not have a grip on us. But our lives are full of life. Because of who you are and what you have done for each and every one of us. So, Lord, as we meet during this time, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. You know, I remember uh, growing up, there was a couple of things that, that really sticks out to me, and it's all about cars. First of all, my, my dad, he had, would always have like a big kind of 
Cadillac-ish type of car, maybe a Ford or, or something. That was a huge car that had a big back seat that me and my brother would, would argue with each other about, you know, he's crossed my line or he's touching me, all of that type of stuff. But the car that I absolutely remember is this car right here. This is a 1977 Ford LTD station wagon. How many of you all had the pleasure of riding in a station wagon? Oh, my word. Our, our kids today have no idea what kind of joy riding in a station wagon is all about. See, my mom got this because she was a Tupperware lady. And she was not only a Tupperware lady, she was a Tupperware manager. And being a Tupperware manager, she got one of these LTD Ford station wagons. Or I think she had a Pontiac at one time, too. But, but this is the car that I remember. And I remember this car because it made all of our family trips different. You know, we, we weren't no longer confined to the back seat of the car when we would drive up to uh, Mankato, Kansas, where my dad was from, or we'd take one of our family uh, vacations to Kansas City. We, we, we were riding in luxury in the back of this station wagon. And what I mean by that, kids, you're going to be so jealous of this. We would be able to put the seat down, and so there was this nice flat area where you could put out a blanket, you could play games, you could lay down, you could do all these type of things, which I know that you can't do that right now at all because of seatbelt laws and everything. But it was amazing to be able to be back in the back of this station wagon and enjoy this ride. I think the thing for me that made it really, really fascinating and what I really enjoyed about it was that you had these windows all around you. So no matter where you looked, you got to see the journey. You know, when you're sitting in the back seat of a car, you're kind of constrained. You got your, your, you got the back, the fronts of the backs, the backs of the front seats there, you know, and you're, you're facing forward. You can't really do anything else, and you can only see maybe outside the back. But when you're in a station wagon, you can see everywhere, and that was great growing up. Now, when you got to be about ten. 11, 12 years old, things started to change. First of all, mom and dad got rid of the station wagon. Mom wasn't doing the Tupperware thing anymore, so we didn't have that. But, you know, we're getting older. Our legs are getting longer, and we don't want to sit in the back seat of the car anymore. So my brother and I, every single time that we would go on a trip where either mom or dad were driving separately, we would always yell out, shotgun. Got it. Yes. So then we had the power seat, or what we thought was the power seat when we were 10 through 12 years old. Because when you're sitting in shotgun, at least for my mom and dad, we got control over the radio. We got to be able to control the, uh, the air conditioning or the heater inside of the car. We got to do all of those things, and whoever was the poor schmo sitting in the back seat, they got to do none of that. So that was the place of power until you turn 16, and then you get your own driver's license, and then you have that freedom to actually sit in the seat of power. You actually get to sit where the steering wheel is, and you're the one who controls where the car is going to go and how you're going to get there. All of those things are so important. It helps you to see a different point of view. I remember once I got my driver's license, my brother had been driv driving for a while, but this was my first experience with it. Uh, 
David was off to college. Mom and dad were there, and I hopped into the driver's seat because they said that I could drive. And then the next thing I know, mom and dad are sitting in the back seat. And they're looking at me, and I go, why aren't one of you sitting up here? And I said, well, well you're now our chauffeur, and you're going to be taking us everywhere we want to go. It's all about perspective, and it's all about fully understanding that you have a different view every step of the way. That's what Easter is. Easter gives us the opportunity to have a different view of life. Easter gives us the opportunity to see a glimpse of, of heaven through the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why I love Easter. I love Easter because it reminds me that, that my life isn't my life. My life belongs to my Savior. Paul is one who had a change of view in his life. If you remember Paul's story, he was a Pharisee that at the very beginning of Acts, we saw that he was one who would try to find Christians so that he can imprison them and, and take them to Jerusalem to be uh, held under court by the Sanhedrin. Or, as we see where Paul is first introduced as Saul, he was standing there as Stephen was being stoned and everybody gave him their coats to hold and he just watched on and approved what was happening. But we know that, that when Paul was on that Damascus road and he had this experience with Jesus, he himself had his own change of view. He, he then saw something different than what he saw before, so different that it, it changed his life and he began to, to go around and plant churches all throughout Eurasia. And as he was planning these churches, he would take time to write letters to those in those churches to, to encourage them and to help them grow in their faith as they followed the resurrected Christ themselves. Our scripture for this morning is one of those letters that Paul wrote to a group of, to a church in a town called Colossae that we know as Colossians. And it's chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. I invite you to follow along in your Bibles, or you can follow along with the words that you can find printed on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul writes, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So over the season of Lent, we have been looking at what it means to have a Jesus-shaped life, what, what, what it means to, to live a life that is fully released into the love and care of Jesus. We, we talked about what it meant to have the obedience of Jesus, the, the courage of Jesus, the relationships of Jesus, the, the justice of Jesus. 
all of those things we, we looked at, and, and I was fearful of doing all of that because I didn't want you to think that in order to have a Jesus-shaped life, you must do something. Now, that may be an odd thing to hear from a pastor or a pastor saying that he doesn't want you to do something because, honestly, folks, if we think about it, there's really nothing we can do. And the reason why there's nothing that we can do is because Jesus has already done it. That's why we gather together in this place uh, uh, every single Sunday and especially on this Sunday because we know that Jesus had already done all of the work. And what we then are called to do is to accept what Christ has done. Another one of the practices that I laid out during uh, Lent this year was a practice of fasting, and I hope some of you were able to do that. Every week I would post some scriptures and everything, and if you followed along, you realized that I was, we were going over this particular passage in Colossians. We actually went from Colossians 3, verses 1 through 17, a very powerful verse. But it, but it was a reminder while we emptied ourselves and, and while we fasted, we were saying, God, even though I will not put, take food or, or whatever, I've, or, or take, put aside things that I normally indulge in, I will not do that because during this time, I want to make sure that I am setting my heart and my mind on things above, on where Christ is and where, where Christ reigns and where Christ lives. It's so easy, though, to, to be caught up in all of the activities that we must do in order to, to fully live as Christ's disciples. But it's important to remember that, that what we do isn't about earning our salvation, but it is about being fully receptive to what Christ is doing in our lives. That's why Paul's passage is so important. Set your hearts and minds on things above where Christ is seated. Don't set your hearts and minds on the things of the earth, but, but set your minds on the things of heaven. See, that's why Easter gives us a new mindset. That's why Easter gives us the opportunity to have a new focus. Easter isn't a time to say, okay, well, we checked off that box this Sunday and we can move on and, and just have life as normal as we do it over and over and over again. But no, it is a time to be refreshed and to know that what matters in life aren't those things that we see around us. What matters in life isn't the ads that we see on TV it isn't the billboards that we see cluttering the highways, or it isn't even our favorite news channels that tells us how we should believe or act. But it's all about setting our minds where Christ is now so that we can live in the kingdom Christ desires to make in and around us. There's a writer that I like to read. His name is J.D. Walt, and in one of his devotional books, he was writing about, uh, funny, about devotions. He was saying, sometimes we Christians, we get so concerned about our morning devotions that we fail to be fully devoted to Jesus. 
And what he means by that is that we, we get so concerned about what Bible verses we're reading or, or, or what, what plans we're following and make sure we get all of the information that we can get so we can have an answer for everything and we fail to say, I'm supposed to be letting Christ mold and, and, and mold and move in my life so that I can live fully in his love and his grace. I know I've probably shared this before if you've heard, heard me preach. You know, I, I've had a problem with morning devotions. And, and the reason why I've had a problem with morning devotions is because I have a certain Bible app that I, that I like to use, and, and I still read it all, all the time. But I was really a slave to this Bible app. And what I mean by that is that they, they put on here recently, well, the past three or four years, a little ticker on it to let you know how many days that you have been in this Bible app. And, and I got so fixated on that that one time I was left like 486 days in a row in the Bible app. And, and I felt pretty proud of myself. 486 days in a row, I opened up this Bible app and I scrolled through everything as fast as I can because I realized I didn't have enough time to go through the, the, the lessons that were there. You see, see what I was doing? I was a slave to the morning devotion, but I wasn't allowing myself to be fully devoted to God. I, re I still remember the day that I realized that I missed. I woke up one morning, and the first thought that came to my mind was, oh, no, I just lost my streak. What am I going to do? Oh, no, I'm going to have to start all the way over. And then it came to me, Chris, that's not what the Bible app is all about. It's not about making sure you maintain a streak to, to make sure you have it open every day, but it's about allowing you to allow God's word to, to move into your life and, and to set a hold so that your life is now different. Past January, a couple friends of mine, we took a trip up to St. Joseph, Missouri to a pastor by the name of Brian Zahn, and we participated in his morning prayer, uh, prayer devotion that he does. And, and I've started to do that, and, and I've been doing it ever since we've done it, and, and I love it because it's not about making sure that I check off a box, but as I say, the ancient prayers, and as I read through the Psalms and read the gospel lesson for the day, it allows me to set my mind on Christ and, and not on the things around me. I'm not doing it to try to make sure that I'm making myself more than what I am. I'm doing it to make myself have the heart of Jesus Christ. That was a practice that John Wesley had. John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist movement, he, he saw that people back in England when he was alive were, were kind of going to or fro and not fully connected. So he started to ask some questions, and he, he started to gather people together so that they could help encourage and support one another. And this is one of the questions that John Wesley would ask. He would ask, how is it with your soul? I have a couple of the discipleship bands that I meet with regularly every week, and, and we asked each other this question. And, and that question really helps us to, to dig in and see, how, how is it with me, really? What, what, what is it that I am 
focused on? What is it that is concerning me? Is it making sure that I am getting ahead in life? Or is it about becoming like Christ? Becoming like the one who I, who I say that I am following, who I am living for, who I am devoted to. Maybe there's another way in light of our passage today of what Paul was asking in the Colossians is a way that we could ask this question, how is it with our soul? Maybe we could ask this question like this, how has the resurrection helped you set your hearts on things above? How has the resurrection help you to, to lay aside those desires and things of the world around us so that we can now set our hearts and minds where Christ is, dwelling and reigning and living with the Father. He, he isn't just sitting up there taking a vacation. No, he is there continuing to pray for us and letting us know that he loves us and that he cares for us. See, when we take time to examine how we live our lives in light of the resurrection, it's all about every day intentionally saying, Jesus, today I am yours. Jesus, today I am setting my mind on you. One of the things that I did growing up, uh, I participated in March of Dimes. We had a big walk-a-thon, and I raised a whole bunch of money for March of Dimes and uh, was able to win an item. And the item that I won was a radio. And it was just this black little box of a radio that had like a long antenna that you had to pull out like this because you needed the antenna in order to get something. And, and you couldn't listen to it inside because the walls, even back then, were, were, would block the, uh, those, the signal and everything. So you'd have to go outside. And then you would, you would find your, the station that you would like, and you would find yourself just kind of walking around. And once you, once you hit the spot that you wanted to listen to, you stayed there. And you don't dare move, because you know if you move, you'll have to try to retune it. And maybe sometimes you'll have to play with a little knob and, and tune it just to make sure that you're, you're just at the right frequency. That is what focusing and, and setting our hearts and minds on Jesus is all about. It's about each day deciding where I am going to set my mind, where I am going to be focused on. Am I going to set my mind on the truths of God, or will I be setting my minds on what the world tells me that the truths are? I know that when we set our minds on the truths of God, it, it leads us to be happy and holy and strong. Therefore, each and every day when I wake up, whenever I do my morning devotions, it's not about trying to get through everything, but it's about saying, today I am choosing to set my mind on the things of the Spirit today. And when we do this, and when we allow the, the message of the resurrection to fully penetrate our life and what, what Christ has done for us, it'll start to change how we do things. Instead of making sure that we're getting everything that we can, we will become more generous 
There are so many times I find myself just wanting to hold on to what I have with all of my might. I, I don't want to, to let go of anything. But I realize when I take the opportunity to be generous, when I take the opportunity to give to others, to give to the service of God, my life is better. It's like taking that knob and, and adjusting the frequency to, to live in how God is calling me to live. When we change how we do things, it, it helps us to see that instead of ruling, we, we, we turn to serve. Instead of saying, what's in it for me and how can I get what I want out of this and how can I make sure that I have everything I need, it's looking around and saying, how can I make sure others' needs are met? This morning during our sunrise service, the youth and I, we were talking through some of the passages of Scripture, and one of the Scriptures that we were talking about was this passage from Matthew chapter 25. You may know it as the passage of the sheep and the goats, where, where somebody comes to the, 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 the throne and says, God, you know, how do I know where, where, where I was supposed to be doing? What, how, did, how did I see what I was supposed to be doing? And the king answers, when you saw those who were hungry, you gave them food. When you saw them thirsty, you gave them something to drink. When you saw them naked, you gave them clothing. When you saw them in prison or in sick, you visited them. Those are the past that we see, that when we change how we do things, we see that we intentionally start to serve more than trying to hold on to all that we have. And then finally, it changes how we forgive instead of trying to get revenge. It helps us to see that instead of trying to make sure you get what you deserve, you realize that it's all about laying down and, and wishing well for somebody else. Not, not trying to, 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 to mend relationships where everything is fine and hunky-dory, but saying, you know, I'm going to just let them be in God's care. That they're no longer my concern, but I wish them well because I care for them as image bearers of God. You have another, uh, one last uh, spiritual practice that's in your bulletin today. And, and the spiritual practice is about living a transformed life. And, and I wanted to leave our message with this passage that is a part of that, that practice. It is about letting things go and allowing God to fully live in our lives. And that passage is from... Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 4, where Paul writes to the Philippians this time, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, this is the last part, this important part of how 
we let things go and we allow other things to come up, come up. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Or in other words, think about things above where Christ is. What you have learned or received or heard from Paul or seen in Paul, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. My friends, my hope and prayer for this Easter season as we continue to lift up the resurrected Christ, as we continue to live as he has called us to live, I pray that you live in the knowledge and the love of the resurrected Christ who gave his life for us so that we may fully live into his kingdom, not that day that we go and be in final glory with him, but right here and right now in his strong and secure kingdom here on earth. Let us pray. Oh God, you are our rock and our redeemer. We are thankful for the resurrection. We are thankful that you have conquered sin and death through the rising from the dead. So God, help us to live as Easter people. Help us to live in a way that, that shares your love with others. Help us to fully commit our lives to you and your service so that we may fully embrace the Jesus-shaped life that you have placed in front of us. Help us to live as those that are fully devoted, not just wanting to do devotions to, to make sure that we check off boxes, but help us to live as fully devoted children of the King. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.